the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. 602 Really want to hear from you all on this question I was exploring with Hal. I'll bring him back up in a minute and get to the rest of you on just how divided are we right now. Are we as divided as most of us seem to think we are? Or are things a lot better in uh, any town America? Hal, what was your thought on that? Uh, in terms of division, well, my thought uh, brought to mind some questions. And uh, just very quickly, the, the first is, uh, do we have clear, transparent elections with agreed-upon rules? Are we allowed to ask that question? Can a senator ask that question? Uh, do, do we, uh, if, if, you, if you no longer have that, and you don't agree about whether or not an election was clear and transparent and conducted according to agreed upon rules that was and that those rules were created with the process that they should be i think you are fundamentally divided because one side just speaking conceptually one side will not look at that election as legitimate and uh, and, and so once you reach that point and you're not allowed to talk about it if you're a United States senator, you're going to be booted out of the Senate or they're going to try. You're going to be the object of the next two minutes hate if you even try to ask the question. And so coming back around, the people who chose that representative who, and, and told them, hey, I have concerns about this election, are not entitled to pick that person to represent them because that person is asking the question. So it's kind of a, a, a circular um, argument that they make. Oh, um, and so, you know, so then the, the, at the fundamental level, do we still have government of, by, and for the people if you no longer agree that we have legitimate elections and you're not even allowed to talk about it? And then the last question is, is are we an object of hatred to motivate the people on their side? Is that what they need to motivate their people to vote? And so I, I think when you're talking about these types of questions, which I, and this is just my opinion, that these are the questions of the day. If you're talking about these sorts of things in a democratic republic, you have reached the point where people no longer, a lot of people no longer believe the government is legitimate unless their side wins an election. Yeah, I th and I got to tell you, I think the Democrats are doing a pretty good job of forcing that position uh, and entrenching it even further. When they talk of unity, I have no belief that that is at all anything uh, they – well, they want unity of opinion. They don't want a unified country unless it's a unified country that is based around everyone accepting their premises. They have a different vision of being a unifier or having Joe Biden be a unifier or unifying the country. It's not about us coming together together and being peaceful with each other and understanding each other's point of use, it's about us being forced into converting into their way of thinking. That's what I believe their unity means. And the reason I think that is because of these calls 
to expel members of Congress who gave voice to that which you just said. There is a clear and palpable, and every poll has shown it, substantial number of Americans that do not trust that everything has been on the up and up. And when they give voice to it, they are told that they are acting like terrorists. And that 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 very that very statement when it's wedded to uh, private corporations banning the people who say those things, not just social media, hotels. Did you see the Lowe's hotel chain has now said that Josh Hawley cannot host a fundraiser at one of their properties because of his position on the election? Never mind. They never would have said that to Hillary Clinton with her position on her loss of the election in 2016. Right. So on and on this is going and it's going apace and fast. And fast, they want us to convert, I'm not going to say convert or die, but they want us to convert or cease to exist as a political entity. That's what's clear to me. And so if you want to do anything you possibly can to increase the distrust and tension in this country, you keep doing what they're doing, I think. Well, and we can see how they pro voters. So that, that you will have discussions, and everybody listening will have discussions with people who are Democrats, and they're going to say, listen, we need to make sure that our elections are clean, that they're open, they're honest, the observers have to go in, and so on and so forth. And the answer provided by Nancy Pelosi will be, well, that's just sedition. That's treason. Right. You're a terrorist. Right. You don't believe in elections. Right. right. So, you know, for the low-information voters, and I hate to say that, but that's a, that's a derogatory, but at this point in history, if that's all somebody says to you, they're an idiot. And, you know, and, and quite frankly, they deserve to live in, you know, the one party, you know, hellscape that these people are going to create. The rest of us don't, though. So you can see how they program the people on their side. It goes out to the media. They speak in one unified voice. And then it gets to your neighbor that you're trying to talk to talk about, you know, hey, we need to look at these things. We should, you know, and you're trying to make your point and they have the talking point And that's all they know. Yeah. And so you see how propaganda works and how they program their people. And, uh, and, but we are the ones who need to be. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, and it's worth pointing out this irony because it's, I think, a point not to be ashamed of at all. I think it's a point that we should actually kind of embrace, which is when they were saying all that about us from, you know, basically October of 2016 throughout the four years of the Trump presidency, when they were hosting anti-inauguration rallies, 500,000 people showing up to hear Madonna talk about blowing up the White House, when they were doing all that, we we made no effort, none whatsoever, to say this is a threat to democracy that needs to be silenced under the name of an emergency power of some form or another. There was no effort to pressure Facebook or Twitter or social media of any kind to silence the left. Indeed, the irony of ironies is Ilan Omar standing at the base of Congress, at the, fo- at the, at the, at the, at the steps of Congress, saying Donald Trump is a dictator tyrannizing our communities. That is the irony of ironies. No dictator who was tyrannizing any community would tolerate a member of Congress, much less another citizen sitting at standing at the seat of power saying such a thing about them. It's a point of pride that we were not afraid of that kind of speech. I mean, I think it's a point of pride that we were not afraid. We were not afraid of letting a rip in this country, having a robust debate. 
we thought we could engage one. Well, I think you're absolutely right, Seth, and it shows the fundamental difference is that we understand that words have meaning yeah. and that they have to correlate with reality. And a dictator, Adolf Hitler was a dictator. Donald Trump abided by the Constitution and did a lot of stuff uh, that recognized the broad distribution of power. And he tried to cooperate. He got no cooperation in return. Somebody who's a dictator doesn't do any of that stuff. And so I mean, I have my uh, arguments about the propriety, uh, I should say, the political wisdom of this. But a dictator certainly wouldn't give hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of time to people like Bob Woodward and George Stephanopoulos. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they should talk to real journalists, uh, but they're hard <laughs> right, to find these right, days. Right, right. You know, but long right. story short, I mean, a dictator would never – George Papadopoulos is a Democrat. He worked for Clinton. He gave money to the Clinton Foundation. He's a partisan activist masquerading as a journalist. Those people simply do not exist. In George, George Stephanopoulos, right, 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 right. Yeah, right, right. people in that role, yeah. people who basically who, – who are propagandists for the opposition. Sure. Those are the people who go to the camp. Sure. And, and, and Donald Trump felt that he should speak to him because he's trying to reach out to the people that George Stephanopoulos yeah. talks to yeah. frequently. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is an inversion of reality, just like, I mean, just everything they say is, is in opposition to reality. So they think that their words make reality. But the problem is, is that you, you can get away with that for a while. But the problem is, is that eventually reality has this strange way of catching up to you. You bet. And after you've yeah. ignored it for a while. Yeah, yeah, you bet. That 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 election does come on in November. You're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's all the, the next one is always coming. Yep. And even if you create a one-party state, yep. There's always some, and and you still have elections. And you just keep up the appearance of elections yep. just for just for fun. Yep. There's always someone waiting, watching. There's a Lenin waiting. Yep for the right time to take all the power from you and then you're going to the wall that is how foolish these people are i, I mean agree. It's, it's the history of the last 100 150 years and, and and may i say how thank you for your patience and for giving us this perspective and may i say how foolish these never trump republicans are and still are because they still don't get they're coming for them too i remember how they went after the cheneys is her is, is is daughter Cheney's memory so short? Is it so short what they did and said about her dad? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show, talking about the divided America. Jeff is in Phoenix. Hi, Jeff. Hey Seth, I'm how, here. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm Good, sorry. thank so, you. I'm building a gate. You're building a gate? Yeah, on the front of my house. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's why I was late. Anyway, hey. What are you making the gate of? Uh, well, it's red wood. I'm kind of inventing myself. Sorry, I've got dogs barking here. But um, I'm. Is uh, it for the dogs? A, uh, well, it's, I have a. A driveway, a long driveway in my yard. I have a big yard, acre yard, and I have to. Act, I'm closing off the front of my driveway so people can't come up just to the side of my house where my uh, door is and everything. Well, they have to go through the gate first because I have a gate on the other side. Anyway, okay. we're just making it more secure. And what kind of dogs? Uh, I have six dogs. Um, 
They're uh, go from uh, twelve pounds or ten pounds to about seventy pounds. What's the uh, seventy most, pounder? He's Pitbull Rescue. Uh-huh. I actually showed up on New Year's Eve night two years ago at my house. Oh wow! And uh, then I have uh, a couple. I, we have all of our dogs are rescue or found. Most of them are all terriers, small terrier mixes, things like that. We have one Shih Tzu. Um, so we have a, a we have a friend and my cousin. They uh, she owns a rescue for she's owned it for years, and we did fostering for dogs. So we just have a lot of dogs. If it's not become bleedingly obvious over the years I've been on the radio, if you want to distract me and change all work, you will mention either <laughs> dogs, barbecue, or trumpet, and I and I am to- or Sasquatch, and I am well, totally totally distracted. So sorry about I'm that. Kansas City. And I love barbecue. Okay. <laughs> I already told you. I already told you I played the trumpet. Yeah, I know. Way, I know. You're striking. My- I know. You're going to change this whole show. <laughs> I know. We've got a real problem in you. You, you you're, you're, the quinte- you're the quintessential uh, distractor. Exactly, you, exactly. You know what quintessence means, right? It's the uniting of all the four essences. Yeah. You know. The four essences, but I couldn't name the four essences. Though. Yeah, I, I bet you could. I bet you could. We'll do it uh, another time. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. All right, okay. we're back to America. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, anyway, what I wanted to say, I was I was listening to you, and I was listening to what Hal said, and um, um, you know, I we I always come back to uh, my thought process of what you said. I don't believe that m- well, most of us are different. I believe. I mean, you you look at shows like Blackish. And all these things, yeah. and you watch them, and you're like, wow, yeah. that looks like an American family to me. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but we all, it's perception is reality. And unfortunately, we are being fed perception at multi, multi doses right now. Never in before in history have a generation of kids been raised by a technology, a technological, whatever you want to, technology, uh, a piece of technology. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. The cell phone, the cell phone has actually raised children. Yeah. And parents have used it. Now, it used to be television, but most kids never paid attention to commercials. They watched, the, the, they watched what they did, and they played in the commercials. Okay. You see, now, kids, everything on the cell phone, it's being fed to them, hook, line, and sinker. Uh-huh. And so I, had, I tell a quick story. One of the things, I, you talked about Lowe's. I called Lowe's today. I called the corporate office, I called their investor relations, and I called their public affairs. All three numbers are exactly the same, and you cannot get through. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So then I went to their list of, corp- of hotels, and I called their personal numbers in their cities. And out of six of them that I did call, was able to call, I got one general manager. He was very, very appreciative of my call. I was shocked because I always tell him, I said, listen, I know you have the right to hang up, but as long as you stay on the line, I'm going to rant. And he listened to everything I had to say, and he said, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked because mm-hmm. I told him I think Lowe's is a bigot, I think they're a bully, and I think they're prejudiced. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, we have a real problem. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, he goes I'm gonna, I said, I just hope this call is recorded, and I hope you pass it on to your corporate. Because I, he, goes, he goes, who did you call? And I gave him the number. I had it right there on my website, on the website and everything. He goes, he goes that's fascinating. I said, yeah. It's fascinating that the people that are putting up this crap on Twitter, the people that are doing this to Josh Collins, will not answer their phone. They will not even take, they want you to email them. And you know what happens, I know what happens to email, because I email all the time, and yeah. nothing ever gets a response. Right. So, again, we go back to, what is the normal person to, to believe or to think about that it's going to be, it's happened to his voice? Mm-hmm. When we see every day 
it's being nullified, it's being ignored, and then the people that were supposed to represent us, we, I, I'll say it flat out, the majority of them are cowards. They care about their money, their power, and greed. MPG. That's all it is to them. Or I have to sometimes believe they're being compromised in some way. Because the playbook of the Democrats is to win by all, win at all costs. We as conservatives, as constitutionalists, as, as truth believers, we don't believe in winning at all costs. Like I told you before, I hate cheaters. I hate line cutters. I started to use the word hate, but it's fascinating to me. We have listened to them. I mean, you said the other day you had a guest on, and he said, you know, they raise the, everything goes through the government every year, and then they say they want a 10% increase in the economy. Oh, right, right, so, right, right. And then, and then the Republicans say, well, how about just a 6%? Right. And we compromise. Why, is it, why isn't it zero? Right. And if the if population shrunk, it should actually go down. Right. But that's the whole thing, Seth. Who is the guy, and Rush said it a, long, a while back, there was something, somebody said this, that if you are not strict in your convictions as a conservative or constitutionalist, you don't stick by what you said a long time ago, and you don't stick by it every single year. You will go to the left. Oh, no I think you're what. thinking of the O'Sullivan rule about yeah. institutions, yeah. institutions that are not advocate, uh, are not uh, eternally conservative, will become liberal, right, over time, right, right. Exactly. And I, I mean, I have so much more to say about this topic because it's just like I see sports. I can't even watch sports anymore, and sports were – what I grew up. I yeah, I know. Player. My producer won't it's, won't watch him either. I, know, I asked no. him if you. I texted him yesterday if he was going to watch uh, the Breeze Brady game, and he said no, no. Yeah, he said I would have in 2016, but not now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. All right, stick together, Jeff. Perception is reality, Seth. Perception is reality. Well, that's the worry. Yeah. No, I think you're right about that, and I think the per- right that I think that's we're why we're not I'm, making we're not making the perception. I think that's why I'm we're, right. About, Accepting. You know, I'm with you. Thank you, Jeff. Stay Thank close. Stay, stay close. Earth, air, water, fire, the four essences. I don't know why the band Earth, Wind, and Fire didn't, didn't use water. Who knows? Parts of this show are brought to you by Balance of Nature, all organic. The fruits and veggies they put into their vegetarian capsules, all picked at the peak of ripeness and third-party tested for all forms of impurities, bacteria, metals, pesticides, you name it. Powerful, robust stuff. Oranges, blueberries, carrots, spinach, all locked into their vegetarian capsules in their unique cold press process. I take it every single day. This time of year, incredibly important to keep your immunity boosted and your energy levels high. They have a great deal offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Keith is in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Keith. How are you doing, Seth? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Um... I, I wanted to say about your question, are we more divided than before? And, and I, of course, I'm a child that was born in the 60s, so I didn't experience that. But 
I would have to say the the way the politics are today and the way the left has gone, that we are definitely more divided. And I would say the sad thing is they're using the government force behind it to institutionalize certain things and to change society. And and I would like to make one analogy about this. If you took a look at what liberals do to people who are in the mega crowd, if you just reverse it changed these roles. Let's just say if white men did to any minority group what the left does to the mega crowd, it would be racism, homophobia, anti-Semitic, whatever you, you have out there, because what they are doing to people who support Trump is truly hatred and bigoted. You know, you make an interesting uh, uh, observation that hadn't occurred to me until just uh, when you were saying it. Uh, you know, I don't remember um, very well the speeches or rallies Hillary Clinton held in 2016. I, I know I watched some of them. I just I don't remember them very well. And I know Joe Biden didn't do very much campaigning. And, you know, what he did do was a fairly pathetic sort of thing where 20 or 25 people would show up or in a car or something. But, you know, we we criticized pretty strongly Hillary Clinton. And certainly when she called us deplorables, we criticized her even further, deservedly. I don't remember any conservative, not writer, not spokesman, not Republican spokesman, not candidate for office, not talk radio. I don't remember a single one ever saying a thing about people in the audience. Exactly. I, I, has, is that observation really just very trite or has no one made it before? Is it so obvious as to having not been made? I just don't remember anyone saying a darn thing about, oh, you're a Hillary supporter or, oh, you're a Biden supporter. I, I just don't remember the criticisms of that as if that right. were some kind of disloyalty to the United States or decency. I just hey, don't hey, remember no, anyone saying that kind of thing. Look at those rabid Hillary supporters. Look at those bitter Biden. So we know they were bitter. We know they were. But did we ever say that? I don't think we did. Right. And, and another I, I, in other words, I don't think we ever criticized our fellow Americans for their point of view. I think we criticized their leaders as much as they right. criticized ours. I really do. I think we, we let it rip and we took our gloves off and that's right and that's what that's all fine and and, and perfectly uh, reasonable in a political campaign. You know, we took on Hillary, we took on Joe and we did it the way they take on our team, I think. But we didn't we never went after their followers that I can remember. Right. That's an interesting distinction you brought out, Keith. It, it just I need to think a little bit more about that, but that there's something to that. We didn't go after our fellow Americans the way they go after their fellow Americans. Exactly right. All right. Have a good evening. What an interesting insight. Keith, thank you. What a what a really am I right about that, Bill? There's something to that. They have no problem going after fellow Americans. We almost never do. I think I have something in there. Or Keith brought something out in that. I'm going to think about that on the break. 602-508-0960. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rob's in surprise. Hi, Rob. Oh, hi, Seth. Um, happy Monday. First of all, um, I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention of the passing of Sammy Nestico, who had written so many and composed so many songs for Count Basie, among others, Sarah Vaughn and a bunch of other folks. He was 96 and lived a great life, played trombone and Really, uh, for everybody that was in a junior or senior high school jazz ensemble, I'm sure everybody over the past 50 years probably played something from Sammy Nestico because he wrote and arranged some really great songs. And I thought that, you know, that was worth mentioning. It is, Um, and it worries me, and thank you for doing it, but it worries me that the last three times you've called... You have music. opened with the death of a musician, and mm-hmm. then you, and then often you will say, "But, but I don't want to be negative." <laughs> well, I don't want to be negative. So, but I, 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 I I'm want... hesitant to take your call, Rob, <laughs> lest I find out someone else has slipped the surly bonds of earth. Well, you know, and I don't mean to do that in a negative way. I, I look no, at we celebrate, a, obviously, a great achievement yeah, in life. You bet. Of course. Uh, of course. Yeah, and, you know, the, and Sammy Nesgo, of, of, of many, many people, uh, should be remembered yes. uh, from the great music he of made, course. created, and, of course, arranged. Uh, and, again, I, I was always a huge Count Basie fan. Yeah. Um, that was one thing. Okay. And again, I... Okay, I'm going to go back to Martin Luther King. Okay, and Black. No, I, 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 I'm giving you, I'm giving you a heck, but uh, I do appreciate it. I really do. Well, of course, and I can take it. Okay, yeah, you can take it. You're not <laughs> anyway. As, yeah. You know, a lot of people, and and I guess the election is is one of those things that made me scratch my head because uh, when we think of Martin Luther King, we think of Black Americans and equality, and over the past four years, the employment. Uh, under Trump for blacks uh, was was huge, and the, their median income grew. Uh, they uh, ended up getting uh, more gains in their um, uh, in their incomes, and also uh, their unemployment dipped. Um, I wish I, I wish you know. In retrospect, I wish I could have written about six speeches for Donald Trump no on. The dream of Martin Luther King, the work of Martin Luther King, and the black economy. When you think about some of Martin Luther King's most prominent protests, yes, Mm -hmm. of course, for civil rights, but often for jobs and work. In fact, as I mentioned, the title of the march in August of 1963 was the March for Jobs and Freedom. And that last protest of his in Birmingham was a sanitation workers strike you know it was yeah and and the sad part i think is that after i guess almost 60 years um the black community uh decided not to side with martin luther king but instead with uh well the other side i guess which was black panthers huey newton eldridge cleaver uh, Dick Gregory, who wasn't a Black Panther, but, you know, again, Tommy Smith from the 68 Olympics. And and they ended up um, missing the complete point about what Martin Luther King was all about, which was equality. For but is it possible? See, Lee, Lee Habib and I were having this debate in, this, in the first hour. Is it po- a little bit the second hour? Is it possible that 
that may not be entirely correct. Is it possible that for all the protests and riots in the name of BLM or 1619 kind of stuff, that is that side. But there's an entire cadre or more of African Americans that have nothing to do with that and have embraced the unifying themes of King. And we don't hear about it because they're not protesting and rioting. We don't hear about it. Well, and I I think also we don't hear about it because uh, despite everything. Academia doesn't want that message. They don't want that message. And I think despite everything in the media and everything, they – I think it's still around maybe 20% at best of the black community still buys into the lies of the Democrats. Yeah, I don't yeah, – it's, it's – yeah, it's a good question because for all that was said about Donald Trump, he did increase his support in the black community. Yeah, and he not, gave a lot not of Not to the numbers to we were wanting, but it wasn't well, no. a decrease. But it was a, it was a change, and yeah, I think right, you know. And right. was, didn't he do something about funding with the historic black colleges? Yes, yes, additional funding to the yes historically black colleges as well. well yeah. Yes, of course. And and when we think about well, not just Martin Luther King, but when we think about Donald Trump, um, and we look back over the last four years of all of this media nonsense, academic nonsense, Hollywood nonsense, they they all focus on the individual, the man. And they missed the entire point about Donald Trump because, in in reality, it was never really about him. Uh, it was really about making America great again. It was it was about putting America first. It was about taking care of Americans first. It was about helping Americans get jobs. It was about you know securing the country against illegals, terrorists, drug cartels, child smuggling. It was about getting now they make us illegal and call us terrorists. Isn't that the great well, irony? Yeah. Isn't that an irony? Yeah, and and again, the media didn't want to promulgate any of that info because, uh, well, I don't know, but um, that the Dems wanted you know power uh, over others, and he was a threat to all that and the swamp. And uh, again, we talk about you know Hollywood and academia uh, and the Dems. I I think. You know, there's no clearer picture to me. And again, I'm I'm weird in that funny way. But Donald Trump stood for the country mm-hmm. and all the things that we could do that would make America great again. Mm-hmm. And so everybody that was against him um, wanted to focus on oh, Donald Trump's the poo poo head. He's right. orange man bad and all this. And it's not about the individual. It's about the damn country. Yeah. You know, and I think tomorrow. Well. Wednesday, I think we're about to find out uh, just how wrong they've been when, you know, $15 minimum wage goes into effect and the uh, uh, oil pipeline from Alaska gets cut and all of a sudden the oil prices and hence gasoline. Things are going to move very up. fast in a very different oh, yeah. direction. Very yeah. fast. I got to hit the break, Rob. I got to hit the okay. break. God love you, though. Thank yeah. you, sir. Be right back. You ever have uh, something that for like years and years and years you keep saying, oh, I meant to look into that, the same thing? I mean it's just a thing you keep meaning to look into and never did. You ever have something like that? There was a caller on the board today who dropped off uh, and I don't remember who and it's okay. 
that said something about wanting to talk about what John Adams said about our Constitution. And I just didn't get to that call. I just saw the comment on it. And I presumed, and I hope I'm right, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I assumed he was going to give me a quote that our constitu- that, uh, from John Adams that our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And it's a quote I've heard for years. I may have even used it once or twice. And I've never looked up its full context, and I've always wanted to. And today I was reminded to do that when I, when I, on this break when I was going to go to that call and that caller wasn't there, and I did look it up. And I'll close the show with it. It's from a letter John Adams wrote to the Massachusetts militia in 1798. And I love the intro to what he says. Should the people of America once become capable of that deep simulation towards one another and towards foreign nations, which assumes the language of justice and moderation while it is practicing iniquity and extravagance and displays in the most captivating manner the charming pictures of candor, frankness and sincerity while it is rioting in rapine and insolence? This country will be the most miserable habitation in the world because we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled morality and religion. Avarice, ambition and revenge or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people wholly inadequate to the government of any other How good is that? How fortunate I finally looked that up. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed.